0: I think that this is really boring, actually. When I was a resident, I hated this topic. But, um, so documentation and billing. So this is kind of a nice little lecture following what Dina was talking about earlier, okay? Um, So the objectives for today is, um, I want to tell you guys that the chief complaint is very important for your documentation. So I think we all know that, except that we kind of forget, like in a frantic ER. Right, there's a lot of things going on and your patients are telling you a thousand things and you just don't know how to make it concise, right? especially for the med students that are presenting, the residents are trying to make sense of what's going on with patients, right? It's hard, I know, and um, so it takes practice. So don't feel bad if you're not there yet. However, your different, uh, differential diagnosis is number one. So when you read the chief complaint, you should be thinking number one, differential diagnosis in the ER, not in medicine, not in rheumatology, not surgery, you're you're an ER physician, right? So what's going to kill this patient today? Um, And then your history and physical should also reflect your differential diagnosis and your review of systems as well, all right? And I'll also go over some physical exam tricks um, that I think are useful, especially if you're trying to get through someone quickly, and you don't necessarily want to go through the whole physical by taking time to undress the patient and ask them all these questions. Little things that kind of go a long way um, will save you time, okay? And then, um, <coughs> excuse me, the level of billing that you're targeting. <coughs> Anywhere from a from a stubbed toe to a folliculitis on your face to a septic patient. So, um, when you're gonna assess the patient and you're, you're thinking about, well, what type of billing am I, you're not really thinking about this as a resident, you're kind of trying to just stay on your toes and figure out <laughs> what's going on, but um, as you get more comfortable with that, your, your billing should be in the back of your mind when you're charting as well. What type of billing do you want this chart to be? And um, critical care and procedure details, what you should be including so you can get, um, so you be able to actually bill for these things, okay? Certain details, I that you should include and then if we have time, I'll go over a little bit about community work versus academic work for the 30 years that are thinking about these things right now. Um, okay, so picking up a new patient. Number one, read the chief complaint, right? Normally nurses are pretty good about trying to specify uh, you know, shortness of breath, headache, chest pain, things like that, although sometimes it doesn't make sense. And again, think about your differential diagnosis right away, that's your, sec- that's your num- top priority. Again, remember that you're in the ER, so you should focus on emergent reasons, what you are going to be looking for and what you're going to dictate your history and physical. For example, shortness of breath, you want to immediately think about. PE, tension pneumo, CHF, exactly. What's going to really change my management? and Am I going to have to do some life-threatening or life-saving measures at this point? Headache, right, subarachnoid, meningitis, kind of those are the things you should be thinking about and then the low back pain. Okay, so your next step, read the nursing triage notes. And I think a lot of us don't do that. So um, after you think about your differential, what did the nurse document? Because a lot of times you go talk to the patient and it's completely different than what the nursing triage notes documented. And um, this is important for litigation, but also just for the comprehensiveness of your billing as well. So you should target everything that the nurse documented, which sometimes doesn't make sense, but you need to address it. It's very important. And then quickly look at the vitals. Is your patient hypoxic? Is, is he hypotensive? Should I act quickly, or do I have one minute to rush to the restroom before I can see this patient? <laughs> so, <coughs> so definitely. Nurses are good. They're gonna call you if they need you right away. However, you also have to be aware that things get missed all the time, and you should be, you should be aware of that. Um, So unstable versus stable. So um, is your patient okay in like triage, you know, back there in number 33, or you want to bring them up to, like, one of the trauma bays, right? So you have to act pretty fast. And so then you're ready to begin your physical and your your history (coughs) and your physical exam after you've established that you have some time, the patient is stable, then you can go talk to your patient. And you should target maybe 10 to 15 minutes, okay? History, physical review system kind of quickly address patient concerns and questions, and so let them know, this is where my plan is. So, 15 minutes at most. Okay, that should be your goal. Um, so, your history. Of course, we've always had that patient that just kind of rambles on, right, and just you're just like, oh man, why are you here? So. Um, You have to address your triage notes. The nurse, what did she document? What is your patient telling you? And how are you going to make sense of all the rambling that this patient is telling (laughs) you, and how are you going to put it all together? Um, And so a good thing is that you're thinking of your differential diagnosis, so you have to lead the patient back to your questions. Right? You have to address the triage notes. So your patients will tell you, well, I'm here. Last night I had a patient who had a rash on her her arms, and she also documented it in the triage note. Uh, that she was having shortness of breath. She never told me anything about that. I think you and I had her, right, Randy? Um, and so you ask, and she's like, oh yeah, by the way, I am also short of breath when I walk, and I have CHF, and I recently was cast. And so she would have never told you that if, and you wouldn't have brought it up if the nursing no never would have documented that. So very important. Again, you let this patient go, and she has an MI, like, out the door, and then you see the chart, and you're like, shoot. I should have addressed it, right? So triage notes, very important. Uh, okay, so then for your history of present illness, you're in control of the interview. The patient will oftentimes, again, go off, and you have to redirect them. So your questions should be targeted at your differential. Subarachnoid hem- hemorrhage. Um, was it acute, maximum onset? Was it the worst headache of life? Yes, no. Are you having fever? Do you, does your neck hurt? Do you have photophobia? All these questions should be on your HPI. And try to keep them close-ended because again, patients, if you give them a chance, they're going to go off on other tangents. And um, for, I think for your understanding of what's going on for, with the patient and then also for billing strategies, you want to document what's called the essential elements in the HPI, which is the location. And again, for med students, this is very fresh for them. The, um, what makes it worse, what makes it better, the quality, sharp, dull, does it radiate, and how severe it is, the time and then the associated symptoms that are pertinent to your HPI, okay? So those are essential elements. So you should have a system every single time you go to see a patient, and this will prevent you from missing uh, important aspects of, of your history and physical, okay? And these are the, the important associated factors, fever, vomiting, shortness of breath. So for your billing levels, there's um, five total billing levels that you can bill for. Okay, so when you go into the community or you're li- working for a group, um, or even here, there's there's a medical group here, <laughs> part of your attendings, um, we all get categorized by billing levels. So, Billing level number one is your simplest type of charting. Doesn't require much time with the patient. It doesn't require much of the documentation. So, if you're targeting for a level five, then which is the highest you can get paid for, then you should be documenting four elements on your history, physic, uh, your uh, history of present illness. So, you can document location. You could document. Um, Quality, radiation, and associated symptoms. And those are four elements that you can have in your HPI, <coughs> which will give you a level five. And that's only one portion of the histri- the charting, okay? So that you must target. Um, okay, and then the review of systems. Tailor your questions to your differential, okay? Don't go on tangents with <clears throat> pelvic pain. Do you have vision changes? Do you have rhinorrhea? Not, Not so relevant to what you're trying to get to, right? You can, but you'll waste time. Okay, so you have to get quicker, kind of focusing on what you're looking for. And then the chest pain, don't ask about the hematuria. I don't care about penile discharge, things like that. You can, but you're going to waste time. So review system, so for your, if you're trying to get a level 5 billing, you're going to have to ask 10 review systems, which, again, takes a long time. You have to, like for instance, for your review system, if you're going to indicate the chest, You have to say no shortness of breath, no cough. You can't just say one. You have to document two elements per system. Does that make sense? All right, and the alternative is all other systems reviewed a negative. So this is really, really tricky. Um, You can click that. That's easy, right? But then when the chart gets audited or when you're in trouble or whatever reason you have to review the chart, then you're going to find that there's a lot of loopholes and a lot of mistakes, because you did not ask about the skin, you did not ask about the joints, and you documented that you did. So that's kind of a, a, a big uh, liability to be clicking this. You can, but… Is that an automatic 5? Five. Five? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to click it, right, but you'll get in trouble. If this, if this charge comes back to you and they're like, well, what did you really ask? Did you really ask it? So, if, you are, if you're doing that, that's great. So now in the portion of the past medical history, the surgical and the family history, uh, for level five, if that's what you're targeting, then you have to ask at least two. So you could ask for the past medical history and the social history, and you only need one element per, per section. So that's kind of, it's fairly easy to get. <coughs> And now for your physical exam. So again, tailor your physical exam to your differential. Okay, a lot of the times there's random information in your physical exam that can be okay, but again, you can save time. And so the little tricks that I would suggest for you, and everyone has different little tricks, but mine are these. So for your neuro exam, you don't have to necessarily even touch the patient, (laughs) right? You can just see the patient walk in the room. That's normal gait, right? Uh, Your facial symmetry, are they speaking to you with normal facial symmetry? Is is their tongue midline? You can simply ask them to open their mouth and stick their tongue out. Uh, Is their speech normal? Are they aphasic? So that's very easy and that gives you neuro, okay? You don't even have to touch the patient. So for your neck exam, you can see if the trachea is midline and if they have any masses. Or do they have any achemosis? And that's quickly. You can document that on your neck exam, right? Your musculoskeletal is a patient able to range everything. They're probably reaching over for their purse and they got out, out of the bed. They're ranging everything, and um, they were able to lift whatever they were lifting, so they have five out of five you know, strength, or they're ranging everything. So little tricks like that help you. Your skin, is if the patient is wearing shorts and uh, you know, exposing skin, you can kind of document no rashes, no petechiae, was in jaundice. So again, very important. Psych, good insight, bad insight. Is the patient all over the place, disheveled, um, or are they appropriate? And so quickly you can document those things and um, that's five right there. You can document without even touching the patient. Um, Okay, so you're billing levels for physical exam. So again, if you're targeting a level five, you want to include eight organ systems, okay? And then two elements per organ system as well, kind of like the review of systems. any questions about that? Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward, okay. All right, now your medical decision making. Um, this should always include your differential diagnosis. Okay, so um, for chest pain, you're, you're going to include, um, you know, any ACS, pneumo, PE, pericarditis, pneumonia. So include that in your decision making. Also, did you do any tests? And if you did, why and what did it help you decide? And if you didn't do tests, then why did you not? What about the physical exam or the, or the history uh, allowed you to make your clinical impression without having to run any tests? And that's okay. You don't have to run tests on every single patient, right? So um, just document all that. And then instructions given to the patient. Um, strict return precautions, like that other patient we were talking about, she was told come back for X, Y, and Z, and that patient did just that. So. Those are great success stories that patients come back and and they really make a difference, right? Discussions with patients. Well, I don't want this treatment, I don't want Keflex, I don't like this. And discussions like that you can document and it'll save you a lot of headaches in the future, okay? And then the next person that sees the patient the following day can read your note and say, okay, now I make sense why the Keflex wasn't given and the patient decided to leave without any antibiotics. So um, it kind of has a ripple effect and I think it's very helpful. So, again, when you're uh, charting, what are, you tar- what are you trying to target? So, you can make a decision based on what you want to get paid for the billing, right? And, and really, how much time you spent on that patient. So, if you're going to bill for a level five, look at how much that, that gives you, just for the simple charting. Um, and then level one gives you very little. So, you kind of reflect what you did on that patient based on what you uh, document on the chart. So which I didn't really know as a resident, I kind of learned when I was in the community and here as well, you have to have all the elements per section. So for your HPI, you have to have four elements, right? For your review systems, you have to have ten. For your physical exam, you have to have eight. So if in one of those sections you don't meet those criteria, that it gets downgraded. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you have to meet the criteria in all different sections. And then also in your MDM, you have to also explain how complex the patient was, um, your decision making. And so that also plays into effect on your billing levels. Dr. Lose, yeah. I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. So let's say a guy comes in with chest pain. Yeah. And you're like, whatever, 54-year-old guy comes in with chest pain, no fever, some nausea, vomiting, let's say. Okay. And then right, differential includes ACS versus like no evidence of pneumothorax versus no evidence of, and you just kind of like write all of that down, is that enough as an MDM or is that not Like, do you have to write more like, oh, I don't think he has a pneumothorax because he has bilateral breath sounds. Oh, I don't think he has dissection because his chest x-ray looks like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, can you just? You say, like, no evidence of this, no evidence of that. Yeah, yeah you can say that. Okay. Um, but it also has to be reflected on your physical exam. So if you didn't listen to the lungs and you're documenting you that. Right. You right. can, but then when someone reads it, well, how was there no evidence if you didn't even listen to the lungs? Or did you get an x-ray? Yeah. You know, how did you know that? So if we write versus no evidence of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But within the chart, you listen to breath sounds. Exactly. there's an x-ray that's ordered yep. and all of that stuff, that's still yep. okay. Yeah, that's fine, mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can, you can explain yourself in your chart. If there's no documentation of anything, then you're yeah. screwed. That's yeah, mm-hmm. So of, oh, yeah. From the compression plan section, how many elements and stuff there's, no, there's no real, um, there's no clear cut, indica- like, uh, definition of how many elements you have to have in your MDM. Um, it just has to show that you thought about your differential and then you've kind of targeted all the emergent pertinent positives in the labs and things like that. Yeah. You have, okay, all right. So ama a uh, high litigation, right, high risk. The document that we have is not enough um, for litigation. So the patient could have been altered and not understanding anything you were saying inside the chart, right? And said, yeah, I'm out of here. So that doesn't really save you. What saves you are these things, phrases like these that I would like to see all of you guys chart, okay? Patient is alert and oriented. He's coherent. He seems insightful. He seems to understand what I'm (coughs) saying. Uh, The husband is also in agreement with with, uh, patient leaving, and they both understand the risks. They know that if they change their mind, they can always come back. Um, the nurse was there, another resident was there with me, and we both, um, like, this was my witness. And so you document all that. And those are really important, and that saves you. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so what do you do with the patient that doesn't. Oh, did you have a question? Yeah, that's kind of a good question. Along the same lines, I always that? forget, you know, when I do exams, I'm mm-hmm. a chaperone, but I always forget to document, to document it. it. It's yeah, that's important. It's to do that mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really, it's a common one, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. So for your history, if if you can't get the history, then what do you do, right? So if, if the patient is altered, um, demented, intubated, then you seek... To, uh, to find other family members. So is family around Are friends around? Are the paramedics able to provide any more history? And if they're not, then you have to be explicit and say, this patient, uh, I'm not able to obtain any history because he is intubated or he's altered. I can't elicit any information. And that will save you for litigation purposes, but more importantly, it'll help you for your billing, and it'll also help you um, just so that you can comprehend, and mm-hmm. the next person that reads your chart will say, well, wow, I, now I know why this patient didn't make much sense, and you're clicking unknown on everything, because it's not that you're lazy, it's just that you weren't <coughs> able to. So, for example, you can document unconscious, he was intubated, he was altered, he couldn't speak, he was expressive aphasian, he was a, sc- a code stroke, so I didn't understand anything he was saying. Okay, and this will um, get you all the living, all, all the billing codes for the HPI, the not the physical, but the HPI, the review systems, and the past medical history. Okay, and then now for critical care. So you have to spend at least thirty minutes in critical care. And what's critical care? Well, it. Um, sorry, let me talk about the time a little bit more. <laughs> so greater than thirty minutes but less than 110 minutes, you get paid the same. So if you spend an hour versus 30 minutes versus more than an hour, um, it's still that. But if you go past the 110 minutes, then it goes up significantly. So um, what I do is I just say 30 minutes if it's been an hour. It doesn't make much difference, right? But if it's more significant, like two hours, then I do document 120 minutes or 130 minutes. Um, and then. This, so if you're doing a central line, if you intubate the patient during all this time, it doesn't include that. Mm -hmm. So you have to to spend critical time uh, with this patient excluding the procedures or excluding um, education. So if you're in a teaching institution, that doesn't include critical time. Okay? Does that make sense? So it's only the time you're in the room talking to the patient? Talking, consultants, I'll go over what constitutes, Yeah. Um, so, it, so, reviewing the data, your vent settings, your labs, old records, um, speaking with the family, speaking with the patients, speaking with consultants, um, and then also if you have to make frequent assessments, if the nurse is calling you to the bedside and saying, you know, this patient's now tacky, hypotensive, if you constantly have to be going back to the, to the bedside, then you can document all that time. That's all critical time. All right. And it doesn't have to be continuous, obviously you're, gonna st- you're not going to stand there for two hours not doing anything else, just staring at the, you know, the patient, so. Uh, I mean, how do you, huh? how do you calculate all this? You just take, it's vague, you yes. just, ca- mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, you have to kind of reflect it in your charting as well. So it's kind of an art, it's not, okay. yeah, so it's not going to dry. What happened? Do you somebody minutes, that's procedure, it doesn't count? Um, but if you're going to, so if you're going to, you can bill for coding a patient, and if you're going to bill for that, you can't do critical time. No. You cannot, no. But if you're not going to bill for the code, then yes, you can do critical. Yeah. So which Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, do you know, BC? I don't know what pays more. I don't know. What I pays think it would be. You can also, I mean, if you're, if you're coding someone, inherently yeah. you're spending a heck of a lot of time uh. in the postcode, the pre code. Yeah. And not just in the actual upper of the chest and intubating them. Intubation of course is another procedure. But so I would even recommend and honestly you probably do have spend an equal amount of time coordinating their care afterwards. Afterwards, yeah. yeah. Unless the patient's taken straight to like uh I mean a little cath lab and you don't get to spend that then fine. Or the OR or whatever. But if yeah, they're probably gonna sit in your ER for a while, so you can definitely document kinda of, double dip and do both, yeah. Yeah, what if uh, sometimes in codes there's more than one physician slash resident present? I'm going to, can you bill for that because more resources are being utilized for one patient as far as? Well, as the attending, you do. Okay. Yeah, because you guys don't bill anyway. Right. Like, I know that, I never see the money. <laughs> huh? Like when you do conscious sedation. Yeah. You one doing the procedure, one doing the sedation, is that? Yeah, so, so each pr- each one bills for the different. So if one does a sedation, then that one bills for the sedation, and then the other one bills for the procedure. Hmm? Okay. Did you have another question? No, it's it's kind of like that. Like in, 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 if a patient comes in like an ALS or, uh, or a trauma or whatever, and one person's, you know, the, the the senior resident's working the airway and somebody. I know we don't build but somebody else is putting in a line or something. Yeah. And then if somebody else is doing chest compressions. I'm just wondering, can that be billed for? Does that, or is it still, it's still is it just? just one physician? So it's only one physician that can bill for one procedure, mm-hmm. and you need a a national code that's called an NPI code that's linked with Medicare in order to bill. So. In all of these things that happen in the emergency department, very, very, very rarely is there more than one attending present in the room. Including traumas, because right. the trauma attending usually isn't there. They come on critical traumas in, in most of the time, but not all the time. I mm-hmm. Of reduction, sometimes you need ortho, right? And so, if they do it, but you're doing the conscious sedation, then you can bill for that, but not for the procedure. I see. Yeah. And technically, they can't bill for it. They need their attending there. Who's the supervising attending? The ED position. Uh, exactly. Should yeah. they? Yeah. So here, yeah, at UCI, you're kind of stuck because you're the attending. Yeah, you're supervising everyone, essentially. their note is just a consult note anyways, right? consult I don't know what they do on their end, they bill, Yeah, they like the fast exams, I just put it on the billing, but I don't even know, like, who's really billing for them. It's, it's tough here. I mean, we are, I yeah, I, I, do, I do that, but I don't even know if it gets. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I would assume, but, yeah. Okay. All right, so now easy interpretations that really, that they don't pay a lot, but, I mean, it can spruce up your billing. Uh, the pulse socks, okay, so you have to document uh, whatever the patient was on, on room air or normal or nasal cannula, and was it normal or, or low, or did you have to do something about it? So if it was low, placed on BiPAP, if it was low, intubated, things like that. So. That gives you $25, okay? For the cardiac monitor, as long as you document the rate rhythm, and if there's any ectopy, that gives you $28. So you can kind of document little things like that. This is in um, addition to a level five. Mm hmm. Like, yeah. Like radiating. Yep. Mm hmm. So if you have to infuse anything via IV, it's not actually placing the IV, but if you have to order stuff for IV, so. Um, you have to document what achieved, what effect you achieved. For instance, if you gave fluids for dehydration, it was for that, and the patient is now hydrated. Or drips, now the patient is um, rate controlled. Okay. So what was the response to your treatment? That's what you have to show, and then you can bill for the IV therapy. All right. And then for the splint placement, which I think is really cool, but oftentimes we don't even we don't think about it. Not necessarily that you did it, but that you checked for pre- and post-neurovascular exam. Okay. Yeah. If we just hang a bag of iv that's a <laughs> Well, you have to document those things, though, right? Like, you did it for, to achieve a particular effect. So if the patient was dehydrated, now the patient is hydrated, vital signs have improved, patient is now moist mucous membranes, or patient now can stand versus before was orthostatic. So you kind of have to, mm-hmm. okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, okay, common procedures, the cerumenectomy. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Who knew? I know, I remember, I remember that one. Yeah, so today. Mhm. There's <laughs> wax balls, you have about $65 worth of earwax. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool, right? And then your your EJ's. Okay? So you but you have to document why you needed to put it. Why you needed to do it. So the nurses tried and tried and then you came and you saved the day, right? So that's good. And then the I know. And then blood transfusions. Um, you have to document how the patient did afterwards. Okay? Which I don't understand okay. how they determine all th- these things. Like Medicare says that external jugular is very well paid versus your blood transfusion. Like it's bizarre. Blood transfusion than your EJ. I know. <laughs> I agree. Okay, so now let's go over some charts, and I'm going to omit um, the identifiers here so no one can be blamed for anything. I mean, they're actually good charts, so it's not you know, to talk bad about anyone. So, okay, again, um, as you're going through charts, you should be thinking about your differential, and is it is it reflected on your MD note? Again, when you're charting, what are you trying to achieve, a level four or a level five? Um, okay, so then this one, if you look at the history of present illness, this is by the nurses, right, they kind of write it up there. It's a 48-year-old female. She has a headache for 30 minutes. and She has a history of migraines, and she took 800 milligrams of Motrin. So, you know, here we have onset, location, duration, and that's typically for us as attendings to fill out. But I want you guys to be in the habit or get into the habit of writing your contributing history with all those things in there, and not for us necessarily, but for you guys, so that you can always have a format of of, uh, documenting. So if you read here, I should have also blanked out the associated sentence. So sorry, but so the contributing history, 48-year-old female presents with sudden onset of diffuse headache about 30 minutes ago. Okay, good. So they talked about, they, they documented when it started and it's diffuse, right? 10 out of 10. So she, they're talking about the, the intensity, right? But same as headache three days ago, no difference. And then goes into no nausea, no vomiting, no blurry vision. So when you see a headache, you're thinking about your differential, right? So what's your differential here immediately? Headache. Mm-hmm. Okay, migraine. Migraine. migraine, tension, glaucoma, yeah, so you have to target all those things here. So you, um, this, this particular resident could have documented gradual onset, you know, um, versus sudden onset, and they did say same headache as three days ago, so that's good. That kind of leads you to believe, uh, oh, it's probably something she's had before, likely not subarachnoid. Things like that, and then three days ago, she had the same headache. She had a CT and LP, so those are kind of important and pertinent positives, right? So, based on what you see here, what type of essential elements did this resident hit? Did she, did she, or he meet four of the essential elements? Would you guys say so? Uh huh. Severity. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good, right? And then the allergies, okay, fine, that's not part of your building. But then the past medical family and history. Um, what about there? Did the resident meet that? How many do you need for a level five? Yeah, exactly. So did they meet that? Yeah, diabetes. I mean they have medical. Yeah. Even the negative is considered right? Right, exactly, because you asked about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, so far, so good. Level 5, right? L- okay, review of systems here. All systems are negative, except for that noted below. So, this is assuming that this attending a resident did all the review of systems, including, you know, the 10 review systems for level 5. So, careful. But anyway, so no fever, no no nausea, or no vomiting. Uh-huh? So, there's something about that. We have a charge for this. That you also have to put at least one of each category of those negative symptoms, what is that about? So oh, for our particular charting you here? You can't just put it, like, all symptoms negative except another problem. you also have, if you choose that, you also have to, like. Click yeah, up click up which up ones. ones, yeah, you know, I never. Like, like, three or something, but I remember from previous lecture. Yeah, um, for the billing, you have to in, at least include two. Um, if you're gonna say, like, this review system is positive, so you have to include two of the, re- of the system. So the organ, um, like skin, no jaundice, no petechiae. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then here, nursing notes and vital signs were reviewed, so that's good, right? This patient targeted, or this resident targeted, everything that the, that the nursing note included. So that's good. Um, all right, vitals are in there already. Um, okay, so physical exam, now let's go to that. For a level five, how many do you need? How many? Eight systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how many per system? Two. Uh-huh. Okay, so general, yeah. So how many do we have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So we didn't meet that. <laughs> Boo. But uh, let's see, per section, even the cardiovascular, it was regular rate and rhythm, and that's enough because you mentioned regular rate and rhythm. So um, Anyway, so now this is going to get downcoded, right, to a four. Very sad. Um, <laughs> not, not good billing. All right, so medical decision making. Um, let's see, headache. So again, here it's kind of nice because we have all these stuff phrases that kind of, you know, we just hit it and all of a sudden, boom, we get all these differential diagnoses. But again, you're liable for che- having checked all those diagnoses, okay? So did we, um, let's see, subarachnoid, Central nervous system bleeds, an aneurysm, a tumor, a cluster, headache, a tension headache. So I think most of the time we do, but just be careful with what you're actually documenting. All right.